What's going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Monday evening, one night after the Clippers lost to the Sacramento Kings with yours truly, Brandon Marcus, in the house for the first time at the Crypt slash Staples since 2021. It had been a while, but back in the building and also back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt Matta Warren, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I got to be perfectly honest. I've come down with a case of the Mondays. Mm. It, it it started last night, and it's just kind of gotten worse and worse. So the only cure well, is more cowbell. But the second cure <laughs> is talking clips with you, Brandon. I'm happy to be here. Great to be back, obviously, talking basketball. Um, I was hoping that we'd be recapping a Clippers win over the Sacramento Kings. But that's not going to be the case, and we will absolutely be getting to that game and uh, plenty of thoughts, obviously, being there in person. I don't know. I just feel like you have a better idea of how things are going and you're waiting and looking for certain things. So it'll be fun to chat and uh, get your take on what's going on because the last we left, all of our loyal listeners, we were discussing whether this is going to be a blip on the radar or a trend and a sign of things to come. And uh, it's slowly looking like it's a sign of things to come and a trend that we don't want to be looking at um, and not quite the blip on the radar, but we'll get into it. Um, However, when I was at the game last night, there was a promo for some big, exciting news at the Grove um, with an announcement. And we woke up this morning to um, Zach Lowe and Law Murray both tweeting out that the Clippers have a new logo And with that comes new uniforms. And I got to tell you, man, very different than what I would have expected. If you remember, the Clippers, I think in 2015, did that block lettering with the big big C with the L.A. in in it. It didn't look great. Um, It didn't look that great. And it was fine. Um, I mean, clearly didn't have a lot of thought that went into it. Then you had this one that got released today with what looks like a cruise ship in the middle with a big C and then the Los Angeles above and the Clippers on the bottom for the global one. And then the primary um, is more of just the C with the boat and then a very sharp secondary logo with the LA. Um, So honestly, I was really impressed. I thought they did a lot of thought that went into it. Um, If you look at the um, post that showed exactly what each part was, um, it talks about how, a strong and stylized mark that illustrates movement and precision while paying homage to the team's nautical heritage. The new Clipper C um, is a primary icon when removed. And then the partial logo carries an alternate version serving as a single little mo- letter monogram, blah, blah. The silhouette of an oncoming ship, a, note, a nod to the team's origins in the San Diego Harbor. Kind of crazy how I many people didn't know what a Clipper was, by the way, um, i.e. a ship until today. The Compass with the cardinal directions pointing north to the N in Los Angeles, providing timeless direction. So it clearly seemed like they put a lot of thought into it. Curious to get your thoughts on uh, the release, because it seemed pretty positive, Matt. Yeah, uh, a lot of positive feedback um, from myself included. I think it would have been funny if the Clippers trolled. You just mentioned a lot of people didn't know what a Clipper ship is. They should have put like a pair of nail clippers just as a, <laughs> as a prank and just seen if anybody would have gone for that. Um, but in all seriousness, I... I re- so the jerseys I love they're yeah. they're really minimalistic but they're they're sleek I think they they finally got it right I mean even the trim like if you look at the navy blue the red trim on the on the band of the shorts is pretty cool 
with a little LA symbol in the middle. I really like the red ones actually. Yeah, the red uh, that great. has Los Angeles written on it. Those look really sweet. Mm-hmm. But the uh, and then the Clipper ship itself. So <laughs> I, I do know what a Clipper ship is, but I swear to God, until I read uh, Zach Lowe's article, I, I actually couldn't tell what it was. So that's probably just on me uh, being a little sleepy and having a case of the Mondays. I was like, what is this? But then when I, once I read it, uh, it makes complete sense. So I really dig them. I think they, they've obviously put a lot of research and uh, they, the, the words focus group were used about 115 times in, in Zach Lowe's article. But one thing that really, that I really like the touch on the new court is the latitude and long and longitude of mm-hmm. Inglewood. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool, actually. So, except for me, just you know, being a dummy and not realizing what the logo was, I think they kind of nailed it. Really cool. Yeah, and it's funny because the first time I saw that court, I was like, "Is that going to actually be on the court?" And then I saw another picture. I'm like, "Wow, damn! Like that actually is going to be on the court. That's really cool." And obviously, with the ship and the naval direction, like it makes a lot of sense. And then you look at even on the boat. Um, the front, it has those basketball seams. So the hull of the ship set off with a seam to a basketball. And then you look and it has the custom typeface um, with the clippers. It's written in naval typography. So clearly they put a ton of thought into it. Like you said, focus groups. Like It's tough to get this right. I mean, there are a lot of logo redesigns. And like you look at renames of teams and it just doesn't work. Like It doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. Um, there were people, of course, that are haters that were out there being like, oh, this looks terrible. And I think it was one guy who covers, I forget what, I think it was the Celtics that tweeted something about how terrible it looks. And, and someone's like, have you seen what they looked like before? And he's like, it doesn't mean that it's still not terrible. Like it was even worse before. I, I just don't agree. I mean, listen, you know who the logo is important for? The fans of the Clippers. And do you know who has had a positive reaction to it? Fans of the Clippers. I've seen zero Clippers fans that have been upset with the logo. And so that means that they nailed it, and which is awesome to see. So good on the Clippers um, for doing their research and getting it right. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, you can really tell the effort. It, you're right. It doesn't seem rushed like many of the other logos. Like you talked about the block letter mm-hmm. uh, LA in, with the big C. Or, I mean, that just it just seemed like, okay, like there wasn't much thought put into this. It's an LA and a Pac-Man seat eating that LA. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but these these actually seem like, and, and you can tell by by the article and by what, what people have been saying, they really took into account what, A, we've all been saying as Clippers fans for the longest time, which are, we, we need an upgrade in Jersey, we need an upgrade in the logo, and to, to put it, to throw it back to the whole San Diego Clipper uh, era and all that kind of stuff, I, it just, it's cool, they, they look great, and the fact that you, we know a little bit of the backstory and how much kind of research and effort they put into it, you can appreciate that as well. Yeah, and like we said, I mean, the red looks awesome. I, I like the Los Angeles script on the red jersey um, that PG is wearing in the picture that they released. And also something that's kind of very minor but cool is if you look at the shoulders, it has red, white, and blue. So it's all. it doesn't matter what jersey it is, whether it's the blue jersey, then you have the white and the red around it. It's a red jersey. You see the white and the blue on the outside. Like it has red, white, and blue. And they stuck with the colors. I mean, it, it's none of this black nonsense um, or other jerseys that just don't make a lot of sense. And so you go with the colors that you've had and you get the uh, lettering right and you get the logo right and it's a home run. Yeah, for once... Because even like the city editions and every, it just they always seem to miss the mark uh, 
with with the jerseys and any kind of logo change uh for the most part it's just i've, I've never been a huge fan you you've even got the uh on the side of the jersey under the on the underarm they have uh some nautical flags stacked on top of each other just a lot of thought a lot of effort uh i can't actually can't wait to see them play in these i think it's gonna look really cool yeah i'm excited for it i think it'll be really cool i mean you're going to a new building so why not have a new start with a, a new logo and a new jersey and honestly most importantly i'm really glad they ain't changed the name it, it just i feel like it could have gone wrong in so many different directions um, with what names they chose and the stuff that's been floated out there that's Los Angeles themed. Um, you mean you, you mean like the Hollywood stars? Correct. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And it's like, come on, like, I'm glad the Clippers listened because that was one thing that I heard was that there was a lot of talk about how they won New Jersey, all that stuff. But the one thing whenever they talked to people was do not change the name. Don't change it. Just, do, just don't do it. I mean, how many names just sound stupid when you change them? Like the Charlotte Bobcats. Like, okay. I mean, just it, and a lot of names were bad. So I'm glad they stuck with the name of the Clippers. I'm assuming you do as well. Oh, yeah. Thrilled that they stuck with the name. And I think, you know, uh, all the people that they uh, did the research with in the focus groups reflect what many of us uh, think as well. It's just, yeah, rebranding is one thing, but changing the whole entire name is kind of a bridge too far. Yeah, so good on the Clippers. All right, so that was your Jersey talk. Um, of course, remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at BD Marcus at Matt Matta Warren for Matt. You can give us a five-star rating, review the podcast as well, and we'll try and get to those at the end of this podcast if there are any new ones. Uh, Matt, let's talk basketball. So here's the thing. Before we get into the actual Kings game, I think it's worth looking back a little bit. Um, if you look at before the All-Star break, the Clippers lost that game at home to New Orleans by 11. The following game, they had a couple days off at home, and then they faced Detroit, and they won by six, a game in which the Clippers made it a lot harder than it needed to be. Then, they played Minnesota, they lost by 21 at home to Minnesota. Then, before the All-Star break, they played at Golden State. Remember, they needed that miracle comeback. So, if you ignore the Detroit comeback, and then the Golden State comeback, let's say those were losses. That's four in a row, really bad games. OKC, actually you're not ignoring it. You're something if you ignore that they won, then it would be four losses. OKC, out of the All-Star break, loss, looked terrible. Memphis, looked terrible. Sacramento, again last night, looked terrible. So now this is seven straight games where the Clippers have not looked good. And when you and I talked last, we, we were mentioning how you know, Norm Powell, clearly this team, like, Looks bad when they're missing one of their key pieces. They look bad. And then, of course, Paul George missed yesterday's game, and it looked bad again. But I don't think it's as simple as that, where you're missing one guy and you look bad, because the Clippers weren't missing Powell or PG in these games. They lost to Minnesota, and they lost to OKC, lost to New Orleans. Then you beat Detroit and Golden State barely because you need to come back. Like, this is a very, very disturbing trend right now that we're seeing with the Clippers, where they looked unbelievable, Matt, and now they don't look good at all. It's curious to get where you think they are right now because, it for me, it's confusing given how good we thought this team was to now how bad I think this team is um, at certain times when they're playing basketball on the court. It's terrifying. It's not 
it doesn't seem like it's just a blip on the radar. I mean, you talk about those last seven games. Our great, great, great friend Adam Oslin tweeted out that the Clippers are 23rd offensively and 24th defensively yeah. in those last seven games, right? Where they're three and four. 23rd and 24th. I mean, that that's just not going to get it done. And, you know, you, you hope that is just a blip on the radar. That's an aberration. But a lot of a lot of people were talking about the Clippers being this title contender, you and I included, because there was such a large sample size that it has to be taken seriously. Well, of course, seven games is not 30 and it's not over the span of a couple months, but it's if it, it, it grows and you have to be concerned because if they're going to play so poorly offensively, but then also play so poorly defensively. And like you said, only one of these games was without PG. It's not as, you know, it's a problem. And, and, and we talked about in the last episode where he's not been playing up to Paul George standards, be it injuries, be it fatigue, whatever's going on over there. Or, or a cold streak even, but to have those lapses in both offense and defense over a span of seven games, where, like you said, it, it, it took some Herculean efforts just to beat the Pistons it, and it, a big Herculean effort to come back against the Warriors. So it's not as if they were oscillating between good, bad, good, bad. It's kind of all bad. Um, and even against Memphis, right? It's so it is... A disturbing trend is exactly what it is. You, you you hit the nail on the head, and I am scared moving forward. I I don't exactly know what to make of what's going on or exactly why it's going on, but certainly something has turned to a uh, in in the sour direction because it was so sweet before, but now we're all puckering up in more ways than one because it's scary out there. Yeah, and listen. Um... We came on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about how easy it is to be negative um, as opposed to looking at the positives. And so I do want to mention, like, this is a seven-game stretch where the Clippers have not looked good. But you need to keep in mind this team is 37-19. and They're 18 games over 500. Like, they got to this record, Matt, because of something. And that something is that they have the talent. James Harden... Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, when those guys are together with Zoo, Norm Powell, T-Man, like it works. It does work when they have that rotation. The one thing that I think we're really noticing recently is that when we miss one player in Norm Powell or PG, it just feels like what we thought the Clippers had in a very strong bench and depth is not the case. And it goes back to what we talked about last podcast where we said, you bring in somebody at the trade deadline, where are they going to go? Like now, if you were to have the trade deadline tomorrow, 100% the Clippers would be making a deal. Like 100%. Like, and I understand why they didn't. Because the Clippers looked good. Why disturb a good thing? Like who's going to, minutes are going to be taken? Like there are a lot of guys that are underperforming right now. And there are some very glaring weaknesses on this team. What we thought was okay in the backup center is not the case. Tyson Plumlee have been playing terrible. And Tice got the shot yesterday. And we'll go more in depth on each of these. You look at Russell Westbrook. Can't shoot. When he's on the floor, it's detrimental when you have two guys like P.J. Tucker, who's now entering the rotation a tiny bit on the floor. And then you have a guy like Plumlee, who can't shoot. Terrence Mann has been good recently shooting the basketball. But another one that people really aren't afraid of. Amir Coffey, hit or miss in terms of being afraid of. The Clippers don't have anybody that's reliable after like eight. It's nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Those guys are pretty much useless. So I think we're finding that this team is so thin. 
And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in the playoffs, your rotations get much shorter. So if healthy, the Clippers should be fine in the postseason. But there are some things right now for the regular season that are concerning. And that's what I wanted to bring up to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you make you make a couple of great points there, especially about the shortening of the rotation in the playoffs. Because I mentioned last week or last episode that against OKC, against Minnesota, certainly against the Kings, I think in a seven-game series, and especially with Ty Lue making adjustments in series as he does, I would favor the Clippers in all of those series. I, you know, you're a little worried uh, with with OKC. Uh, oh, you're worried with all of them. They all have their yeah, they're they they're strengths. The, they all can give the Clippers fits. They all their they all have their strengths and weaknesses. But I do think a given health in a seven game series, the Clippers, uh, I would favor them over uh, all three of those teams. I mean, you know, the only the only team in the West really that I don't think the Clippers could at least be at the same like a, at least a push come playoff time would be Denver because just Denver's they're they're the reigning champs. So come playoff time, given health, I think the the Clippers should be okay. But it it goes a little deeper because if you're talking about now Coffee who was lauded as oh he's next he's the next guy up he's the guy off the bench Westbrook who was lauded as Westbrook's now now he's bought into his role he's playing Westbrook's game but you see how fragile it is and Tice and Plumley who are the perfect backup centers but if things actually if two two or two or three of those things don't go right you see just how fragile the team could be and I don't just mean health wise I mean depth wise and it, and if if James Harden you know goes two of ten from from three point land Kawhi Leonard uh, still pretty efficient but a re- like seven of eighteen it's just it's Little things can go wrong, and the team is a little more fragile than I th- I think we thought they were a week ago. Yeah, it's uh, disturbing. It's crazy how things change and how many weaknesses we see in just two weeks, basically. And it gives us more talk to, obviously, because or talk about, rather, because now we see some things that are wrong. And there's one thing that really has stood out for me, um, and we're going to talk about that right after this break. Okay, so being there in person last night, Matt... Um, there's something that I've mentioned previously on this podcast and we've talked about, but being in there, being in the house and watching it in person, there is a glaring issue right now um, with the Clippers. And that is that when Kawhi Leonard gets double teamed, the Clippers have no idea what to do. And you mentioned right before the break that Kawhi was efficient somewhat, 7 of 18. Now, take away those two dunks that he had on the fast break where he got the steal and then on the two and two on one where he got the late feed for the dunk. That's five of 16 from the field on non dunks, a terrible Kawhi game last night. So number one, if Kawhi's not performing well with PG out of the lineup, you're not winning a ball game. And here's the thing about last night. That's disturbing is that if you look at the previous two meetings against Sacramento, Kawhi was 25 of 32 from the field. He missed seven shots in two games. He was lights out. However, last night, five of 16 on non-dunks. This is not the first time we're seeing this where teams are doubling him and he's being forced to make a pass. And here's the bigger issue from last night. So with all that double teaming, the first assist that Kawhi got came in the second half. 
He had zero assists at halftime despite getting double teamed. Somebody has to be opened. Somebody has to be open when there's a double team happening. So it's up to Ty Lue to figure out how to get Kawhi out of those situations. And it's up to Kawhi to pass out of it quicker and to get the ball back and not hold on to the ball as long to allow the double team to come. Because there were plenty of times last night he was receiving the basketball at the top of the key and he was dribbling towards the elbow. And then all of a sudden when he dribbled towards the elbow, someone that was guarding in the post would come out and double team him. And so he was allowing the double team to come and it just blew up the Clippers' possession. So they are very slow to get into their um, rotation, or rather, to get into their sets and end up looking really bad. So that's the number one thing that stood out to me, Matt, is that the Kawhi just has not looked good at all when the Clippers have... uh, when the other teams are double team Kawhi. And I wonder, do you think that's a function of, it could it be as simple as not having Paul George out there? Right. I mean, it, like there's like, what kind of outlet do you have? You're right. Somebody has to be open. And, you know, I wish I could just zero in on, on all the double teams and kind of just see where, where he went with it, how things broke down in, in the way that they did. Because to, you're right to uh, you know to total out at three assists and to not get the first one until the second half, as you mentioned, that's a little disturbing. And and do not get it twisted because people will be doubling or teams will be doubling Kawhi heavily come playoff time. There is no there is no doubt about that, especially if it's if if this is a trend and it starts to work. But um, you know we we were wondering what, what was wrong with Paul George and and because he wasn't playing up to par. Lately, and and who knows? Maybe the sore knee. It may be a groin. Uh, he may have podcast obligations. We don't really know. But it's like you know, absence really is making the heart grow fonder now because you wonder what would have happened. A would they have sent as many double teams towards Kawhi because you know you have to pay a lot of attention to Paul George out there. And B if they did, would Paul would Paul George and would Tyloo be? The Clippers be smart enough to set some screens, get get Paul George open, or at least kick it to Paul to a hockey assist. Paul can pass it to somebody and get a nice open look. So yeah, uh, that is that is relatively uh, disturbing to to see the Clippers collapse with a simple double team. Uh, they should be able to find ways to take advantage of that, especially with a player as smart as Kawhi. And then you just watch Sacramento offensively. Sacramento passes the ball. They do a great job of setting screens, and every single time they set a screen last night, they were able to do one or two extra passes and find an open shooter. It seemed like the offense just flowed so easily for Sacramento last night, whereas the Clippers were just going ISO, the ball was moving slowly, they didn't really know what they were doing, they were slow offensively, they were slow defensively, it just seemed like the urgency wasn't there, and they weren't crisp, and they weren't in the right mindset to just attack that game. And when you see one team that runs their offense so well, like Sacramento did last night, and you see how many shooters were on the floor. I mean, you look at their starting lineup, and there are guys in Huerta, or Huerta, whatever, however you pronounce it, Herder, Herder, Barnes, Murray, all can shoot the three. And then you have Fox who can attack the glass, and Sabonis down low. Look at the Clippers starting five. Zoo is obviously the guy that matched up with Sabonis. T-Man only took two threes last night. Then you have Powell, Harden, Kawhi. Kawhi 0 for 3 from 3, Harden 2 for 10 from 3, and Powell was the only one that did well, 5 of 9. So when you look at the shooting, the shooting was just so much better for Sacramento last night. And then you look at the bench, and we mentioned this last podcast. The bench, P.J. Tucker, Daniel Tice, Russell Westbrook, Amir Coffey, Brandon Boston Jr. Brandon Boston Jr. is one minute, so that doesn't even count. 
Like, that's a bad bench, Matt. Like, that's really, really bad. And it's kind of crazy to say that after the Clippers have been so good for so long. But you miss one guy, and all of a sudden, it just makes your team look so much worse. Like, Norm Powell on the bench instead of P.J. Tucker and P.J. Tuck- and Paul George in the starting lineup, all of a sudden, Westbrook, Norm Powell, Coffey, Tice, not as bad. It doesn't sound as bad, which is one change, but it just shows you how thin the margins are. So that's my long rant of saying how Sacramento looked really good last night. They have shooting. They have some depth. I mean, you look at the Monk off the bench. guy like um, Davion Mitchell was solid last night as well. Chris Duarte was even willing to take a three. I just thought that Sacramento looked so much better in both uh, on both sides of the ball. Great. Yeah. Great, 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 great points. I mean, so you yeah, you brought up this the shooting and this and the movement and the swing of the ball. I just I just pulled up the Thunder box score um where the Clippers got smacked. And you look at the three point shooting there, just of their starters. Chet was three of six, J dub two of four, Shea was three of six, Josh Giddy even got in the mix, he was one of three, and Lou Dort for for God's sake was three of six. So you look at that shooting, and that destroyed the clips. So it is something that needs to be addressed. And you know, I don't I don't think Minnesota in fact, I know Minnesota didn't shoot that well from downtown, even though even though they took it to the Clips in, in different ways. But it seems that these teams that can just, you're right, move the ball, run with this sort of fluid offense, really, really give the Clippers fits. And, you know, the Thunder game was with Paul George. So that it's, it's not as if his absence was the entire reason that the Kings um, that the Kings did this to the Clippers yesterday. But it does it does go back to that fragility of the team. You're right because, like BBJ, uh, you know, obviously Bones is a DNP, but you probably wouldn't have felt that comfortable. I mean, PJ Tucker pajamas, like it, yeah, he, he. I don't know. I I I I actually don't really know why he's back in the rotation unless Ty is just trying stuff, grasping at straws, seeing if anything will work come playoff time, putting stuff in the memory banks to like, oh, but this kind of matchup or. When a team is running this kind of scheme, we can slide PJ in there, but it hasn't looked very good to me. And I do think Westbrook and Coffee will get back on track. Uh, just I got to give them the benefit of the doubt for what they've done throughout the season, um, especially Coffee lately. But you're right, there is a fragility here, and I probably with all teams, you can probably say that. But it was pretty glaring last night, and and just you're talking about the shooting. I mean, yeah, teams will get hot, but. You need to account for teams that have four to even five shooters out there, and how you're going to how you're going to guard that, how you're going to handle switches, uh, what what Zoo's role in that is going to be if if he can indeed handle that. Um, you can't really go to like a the traditional small ball lineup without Paul George in there because it just it changes it changes too much. So PG is going to be very important, and that's a long way of saying shoot teams that have that kind of shooting ability and those threats from every position. That could be a a, a problem moving forward, and it's something the coaching staff definitely going to have to address. Yeah, and I mean, it's just the three-point shooting was just so much better for Sacramento last night. They had 15 threes. The Clippers had eight. I mean, you look at the bench, and as much as we're talking about the bench and how poor it was, I mean, the numbers were pretty identical in terms of the bench and how they shot. The Clippers made seven shots from their bench, and I believe it was nine shots made um, from, or three, eight shots made by Sacramento's bench. So it's not like the bench was that much better, but it's just that 
the margin of weak, I mean, the margin of error is so much smaller when you're missing a guy like PG or Norm Powell because then you can't have these Amir Coffey 0 for 2 games. You can't have these Westbrook 3 for 10 games. Like, you really need these guys to step up. You and I always talk about you want to have at least two or three guys, um, ideally two of the three stars doing well, and then one other guy. And yesterday it was none of them. Like, it was Zoo and then Norm Powell. And that's basically it from last night. Terrence Mann was really good to start the ball game, and then he had a couple of good stretches a little bit later. And so he was efficient. But in terms of like a go to type scorer, it's got to be Harden, Powell, Kawhi and PG, and you have at least two or three of those guys doing well. So the margin of error is just so much smaller, and that's when all of a sudden it sticks out that a guy like Amir Coffey, Russell Westbrook, like those guys don't perform well, you're kind of screwed. So it's it's not great when you shoot the ball as poorly as the Clippers did last night. When you shoot under 30% from three, you're not going to win many ball games. It just felt like the Clippers were not crisp. They were turning over the basketball on some really dumb turnovers. The rebounding was awful. The offensive rebound when the Clippers were down by five and they kept getting within five so many times last night and just could not get past that number five. But there was one possession where they were down by five. They were able to get a stop. There was one Sacramento King left, four Clippers there for the rebound, and the Sacramento guy got the rebound. And then they turned it into a three. Just a complete back-breaking sequence where the Clippers could have gone down and made a one-possession ball game. Instead, Sacramento got the offensive rebound and hit the three to make an eight-point game. And, like, those are the thin margins that really happen when you are down a star. And the Clippers just aren't doing the little things right now, and that starts with turnovers and rebounding. And if they're not going to get defensive rebounds and they're going to turn over the basketball, they're not going to win many games. So that's why I am optimistic that there are things that they can clean up that are very doable. I think a lot of this is effort, um, but also it's health and you need to get everybody in the lineup healthy. So that that's kind of what stood out for me. Yeah. And, and so a couple of things you're right not to, it may sound like we are because the wound is so fresh, but it's, it is right not to overreact, uh, which is obviously easier said than done because in the, those you just look back and now we're talking about these last seven games and that's really going to stick out in our heads because there have been some stinkers in there, but there is stuff that can be fixed. Little things, the effort. I mean, offensive rebound just is. It seems like it's going to be sort of a bugaboo for the the Clips moving forward and all season because it just kind of has been. Oh, one more thing on just the how poor last night's performance was, especially shooting wise. I mean, you look at okay, so the. The Kings won by a pretty large margin, so it seems like, okay, blowout. Kawhi had 20 points. Uh, Harden only had 20. Powell finished with the high man with 21, 14 for T-Man, 16 for Zoo. You know, that's the starting five, and then eight and eight and eight for both Tyson Westbrook. But for the starting guys, you're like, okay, they probably didn't play all that much because it was kind of maybe it was a blowout. But it, no, 36 minutes for Kawhi, 35 for Harden, 39 for T-Man, 37 for Powell, and even Zoo played 33. So it's not as if these guys didn't play because it was a blowout. They were in there, mm-hmm. and they did have chances to come back, like you said, and just backbreaking things like the offensive rebound to a, leads to a three, and then you're demoralized. Um, so that's on the that's on the negative side of the thing, which you're going to talk about a lot of negatives after a loss like this. But we shouldn't be deterred. It's not as it's not as if now all of a sudden the Clippers aren't a championship contender, and they do not. It's not as if they don't belong in the upper echelon with the Nuggets and in the Thunders and the Wolves in the Western Conference, at least at this point. 
They're still only two and a half games out of first. They're six and four in their last ten. Same record as the Nuggets. All right, same record as the Suns, who people consider to be red hot, but same record in the last ten as the Clips. So while there are many, many things that need to be fixed, there are still many, many things that are right with this team. And if Paul George can be healthy, um, which I got to imagine he wants to get in there against the Lakers on Wednesday, I have I, you know, and I mean you know they'll sit him if, if they have to, but. Mm-hmm. Paul George coming back will fix a lot. Losses like this, while they are demoralizing, and certainly we as fans hate them, and I know the players and the coaching staff and everybody else does too, all they can do is pick pick yourself up and learn from it and try to change those effort those effort things, those those lapses in, in defense, the uh, the turnovers, just just the minutiae, the, the little things of the game that will take you ultimately to that next level. So I'm still very positive about this team. But they're, you know, I have a little bit more doubt than I than I previously had. Yeah, and I got to tell you, um, if you lose a game like that, I would love to have a couple days rest and then take on a team that you don't need motivation to play against, and that's the Lakers. Like, this is set up so well for the Clippers to rebound when you have Monday and Tuesday you're practicing, um, and then you have a game on Wednesday against the Lakers, a team that has played you really well recently. And it's because of their length. And so once again, we'll see if the length of the Lakers bothers the Clippers and it bothers Kawhi Leonard. And we've talked about the sharpness yesterday, by the way. And like, I have a bunch of notes I wrote down during the game. And one thing I really noticed was, so I mentioned Sacramento and how well they passed the ball and how they were able to get the open shot. Just watch the Clippers when they're passing the ball to a guy in the corner or they're passing to a guy on the perimeter. Look at where the ball is landing. There were so many times last night where passes were ending up at guys' feet or they were thrown high, they were thrown to the side, like bad passes that you weren't able to just grab the ball and shoot and get those normal, good-looking threes up where you're all in one motion. Instead, you were having to grab the ball at your feet, grab it up high, grab it to your side, and so the passing just needs to be way better and more crisp, and that's just a lot of focused and just not being there mentally and, frankly, just playing poorly and so it's very little things that need to get cleaned up whether it's rebounding passing better not turning over the ball like all little things that the Clippers very are very capable of cleaning up and then one more note as I go back to what we were talking about with missing PG you look at the Harden lineup last night that the Clippers went to in the second quarter and no no Powell no Kawhi Like, who the hell is Harden supposed to give the ball to in that situation, you know? Like, where are they supposed to get their offense apart from Harden? And Harden was terrible last night, 4 of 13. Good on him for getting to the line so many times. He was great, obviously, in terms of getting to the stripe and drawing those three-point fouls. But when you miss a guy like PG, all of a sudden, you can't have Powell with Harden because you're sitting Kawhi and uh, Powell together. So the Clippers needed to find a way last night, I think, to have at least two of the three of those guys on the floor, and they weren't able to do it. And with the team being so shallow, it puts a lot of pressure on Harden in those second units, and that's why, by the way, he ended up with a minus 25. Because when you're out there with Harden and you're putting him with guys like P.J. Tucker and Westbrook and Coffey and Tice, like that's a really bad lineup. And we, by the way, we did mention P.J. Tucker briefly. We're not going to throw him under the bus. He played five minutes last night. Like, it's not like he's the reason why they lost. It's just another guy out there that's a, not, that's a zero, like, that just doesn't bring anything. 
and that you'd rather not have in the rotation. But the reason why he is is because there might be a time in the postseason where you need him. And so you need him to get these minutes now. The issue is, is that you get minutes in games that you lose, it looks worse. If they were to win the game, it wouldn't matter. So between the poor passes and then missing a guy and having all this pressure on Harden, it just it wasn't good, and it looked really, really bad offensively. Dude, you're so right. Like, what's Harden supposed to do? Like, any driving kick was a driving kick out to Westbrook, to Tucker, to Tice. Even to Coffee is not the highest percentage thought, shot. So, okay, you can't drive and kick. Okay, then let's pick and roll. What are you going to do? Pick and roll with, with pajamas? You're going to pick and roll with Westbrook, with Coffee? You can kind of do it with Tice, I suppose. But it really, it really ties his hands to be in that situation. And speaking of Paul George, let me let me ask you this. And I know... I know we've talked a lot about the um, the Clippers injury reporting, but you texted me pretty early in the morning that you had finally procured your tickets. Shortly thereafter, the Clippers announced that Paul George was then questionable with a knee uh, injury. Do you think that they waited for you to get your tickets uh, before they announced that? Like they had known the whole time, but they were just like, let Brandon actually pay for the tickets and then we'll announce it. I do. Yeah, I do. I think that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think they know that I have been a um, very harsh on their injury reporting this year and very loyal listeners of the Ethos Clippers podcast, like all of you who are listening. And uh, the second I bought those tickets in the premiere section, um, they decided to uh, downgrade him to questionable. And once he was downgraded to questionable, I knew that we were screwed and that he wasn't going to play. Um, but listen, also one more thing, by the way, and I'm, I apologize for being so all over this podcast, being there, it's just, it's just certain things that stood out and going back and forth. Why did Coffee not start last night instead of Powell? Like we mentioned these rotations and Harden having to play by himself in this bench unit. Like every single time you've had PG or Kawhi sit, Coffee's gone in and started. Like that would have helped your defense a lot more and it would have given a guy to shoot the basketball with James Harden. Like I I don't understand that move at all, do you? It's bizarre, and it's not as if it's like, oh, well, it's a matchup thing because normal matchup better against Herter or Keegan Murray yeah, or Barnes. No, all those guys are pretty long. It actually would have made a lot more sense to have Coffee in the starting lineup. I wondered that myself. Um, I, 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 can't give you a, I can't give you an explanation, obviously, but to have Coffee inserted in there, which was sort of, like we said, was one of the big strengths of Coffee was getting into that starting lineup so that the bench could still be anchored by a guy like Norman Powell. I don't get it. Yeah, and by the way, you mentioned the pick and roll earlier with Harden in the second unit. When no Zoo on the floor, it makes it even harder. I mean, Zoo played the most minutes I think he's played in the first quarter um, in yesterday's game. He played like 10 straight minutes to start, and then all of a sudden, it just when you Harden to start the second quarter, it just it wasn't good. Um, and the last thing, speaking of the big man, that I wanted to bring up, and then if there's anything else you want to bring up, let me know. Um, the Clippers obviously go with Tice instead of Plumlee last night. I thought that might be a thing. You and I had talked about how it might make sense to bring Tice back in and give them some shooting on the perimeter. Of course, he went 0 for 1, um, but he did was 4 of 6, and he had a monster dunk. He also looked really bad at times. Um, I'm willing to give this a longer stretch. I want to see how Tice looks, give it more than a, than a one-game sample size. Um However, last night I would like to see Plumlee come in at certain times to defend Sabonis, and you could not be afraid to go with three centers. But yeah, I think I'm willing to give Tice a longer leash. How about you? Oh, definitely, definitely. I don't, I don't, I don't think they should kill that experiment after just just one evening. Um, and it's just yeah, the the backup big role is going to be, and I'm not sure if it's going to be on a game by game basis. If it's because 
you put a guy in there with Tice because of the Kings matchup and, and their, their bigs and their certain set of skills. I'm not quite sure. I do have a couple of other questions though. Um, for you, if, if, if we're done, if, if we're wrapping yeah. about this game. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. And this is just sort of, and I think everybody, uh, everybody wants to know this, all the, uh, ethos Clippers fans here, your first time to the crib since 2021, you said, Yes, it was June of 2021. It was when the Clippers beat the Suns. It was the only game they beat them um, in that five-game series. I think. So right? you're back. So so you're back. We talked. We we've we've talked a lot about vibes this uh, this season. I want to know how were the vibes in in the in the stadium, being there in person since 2021. Uh, how was it just watching these guys play? You haven't seen a lot of them in a long time, and you haven't seen a lot of them at all. And how did the downtown dogs smell? Do they still smell delicious, except that you are not 20 and coming from a bar, so you probably wouldn't buy one, but did they smell delicious? Dude, the downtown dogs I'm used to because every single time there was a USC game, because I went to USC, they would be out there after every single football game and every single basketball game. So they smell delicious, but I know what they would do to my insides, so I never, ever, even when I was in college, ever had one. Um, as a heart attack dog is what we call them. And it was a heart attack waiting to happen. But yes, smelled delicious. Um, as for the vibes in the arena, I thought the in-game experience was actually pretty decent in terms of just the intro video, the pyrotechnics that they have now during the lineups, um, even during the national anthem. And the, I mean, just the in-arena hosts do a good job trying to get you hyped up. I thought it was a good experience um, watching the Clippers in general. It just, it was interesting being there. I don't know if they showed it on TV, but there was a time where Zoo, and I believe it was um, Norm Powell, were yelling at each other about defensive assignments, something that you don't really see on TV. But those two were going at it. And I thought I saw a tweet from Justin Russo that it was uh, mere coffee or something. But I, I'm pretty sure that it was Norm Powell and Zoo that were yelling at each other about where they should be defensively. Um, and that's another reason why I thought coffee should start instead of Norm Powell. But being there, you're able to see those little things. And it just seemed like the Clippers offensively you could see how slow they were and they didn't have that energy that a Sacramento team did so being there able to see that in person was nice I guess yeah I mean that's awesome it it it's always fun to be there to be there in, in person and just kind of get get a feel for the other fans and yeah see live action there's and you're right there's always there's always stuff you see that it live that you just cannot see over the television like I don't even I don't even remember that uh that little spat. So maybe they did show it on TV. I certainly wasn't. <laughs> I certainly didn't see it. Yeah. But that's uh, that's that's incredibly interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I I can't wait to go back to another game. I um I was going to tell a rather you know, disturbing is probably a, a a harsh word, but kind of a gross downtown dog story. Nothing that happened to me. Just something that was observed. I'm not going to say it. Because those guys work hard. If you enjoy them, enjoy them. Eat your downtown dogs. A hot dog wrapped in bacon. I mean, what what could be better? Except, you know, for a Clippers win. But other than that, it's, it's a really good part of going to a game. So enjoy. Yeah. And the fans, by the way, are good. Um, I wish they'd be a little more involved and little more have a little more energy. There was a time where um, I screamed something and, like, everybody turned around and looked at me. Um, I was like, I think I yelled either to get a rebound or something. I was like, I don't know what it was. But I was like, come on, guys, like, get into this. Like the Clippers were within five and nobody was standing. I just wish that 
there'll be a little more energy because um, the Clippers fans are good, especially in the postseason. It could be a really good experience. And we've heard this season that in certain big games, the fans have been really good. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Just be a little bit better out there if you're at the game, Clippers fans. Um, that, that I think that's it. Um, no new reviews, by the way. So for those of you that uh, have not left a review, why not? Please go do so, and we will read your review next time on the podcast as the Clippers take on the Lakers, obviously, on Wednesday in a big game. It's a really big game because uh, then you face Washington, which you would think would be a win on Friday, um, and then at Minnesota. So we'll see when we do a podcast next. I honestly don't know. Um, possible we do one Sunday uh, because unless we do one after the Lakers game. No, not going to happen. That's too late. And then Thursday I have a game. So, yeah, most likely, Matt, I think we're going to do a podcast either Saturday or Sunday. Um, and then we'll see where the Clippers are at that point. So instead of doing a game after just or doing one after one game and reacting to one game, we maybe have a couple more games that we can react to. So anything else you want to touch on? Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll try my hardest. I can't make any promises. I'll try hard not to have any baby moons this, uh, this weekend. <laughs> you know, I, I, you can't, I, I can't, you know, say for certain a hundred percent, but I, I will try. I'll give him, I'll give him my all. And, uh, just quickly, you were right. It was Justin Russo, uh, at fly by night. Uh, he said zoo and Amir coffee had an animated discussion on the floor over the defensive coverage. So yeah, you were right in that. I wonder if it, that was the second one because I saw one. I'm like 99.9% sure that I saw Norm Powell and Zoo yelling at each other, um, and Zoo was trying to point to Norm where he needed to be on the perimeter that allowed an open three, and so they were animated. So Zoo was just really frustrated, I think, with the defense around him yesterday, and that's another thing that you miss with Paul George. I mean, as much as we have talked about his scoring, you made a point to mention on the last podcast that he's still contributing, at least in stats-wise, defensively. So that's another thing that you miss without Paul George. So we'll see if he's back in the lineup against the Lakers. If he is, um, you know how I'm normally one of the first people to say I might expect the Clippers to lose um, whenever we see a game against a tough team. Um, I think if PG's back, I think the Clippers win this game. Uh, I think it'd be very surprising if they have these couple days off and face a team that they want to beat in the Lakers and be fully healthy, and they're not able to win the game. So I think if PG is back and the Clippers are full strength, I think the Clippers beat the Lakers. How about you? Absolutely. And after and after a loss like like they had with to Sacramento, and just kind of what's been going on lately, uh, the Thunder last week, I think they're going to come in super motivated. Uh, really hope Paul George is in there because obviously, like we've said this whole entire podcast. That would just help greatly. It would also really help me fantasy-wise get into my own personal playoffs. I'm really teetering. I'm hanging on the balance here. It's getting getting a little iffy, guys. Think good thoughts for my fantasy team because I know that's what everybody cares about. But I do think that they'll beat the Lakers. They're going to come in there motivated. The Lakers, yes, they've they've played them well all season, but got to Got it. Got to beat the crosstown rivals. Just got to do it on Wednesday. Yep, you got to. Um, a nice 45-minute plus podcast for you. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, sorry if it was all over the place. I just there's a lot to hit on and not really one direction that we could go in. So until next time, he's Matt and I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips.